0: Hardcore College Football with Corey Listockey. Welcome in a Hardcore College Football. I am Corey, and with me today are the two fellas from Walk On Redshirts Podcast. And we are here today to bring you an exclusive uh, breakdown preview of the currently number nine Penn State Indy Lions. As they travel to take on number two Ohio State Buckeyes in Columbus, college game day is going there. The Fox Noon kickoff show is going there. It's going to be a party in Columbus, and it's going to be a whole week of jam packed breakdowns. It's going to be really fun, and uh, we're just so excited. We just want to get the podcast started on Sunday. As this week approaches, and uh, and Ohio State fans are getting excited, and Penn State fans are a little bit nervous, uh, Jake, intern, how are you guys feeling about this game six days out?
1: Yeah, this team has you feeling pretty confident about them. You know, there isn't too many question marks on the team. Last year, the defense was a train wreck. Um, you know, there were some question marks. You know, on the offensive line a little bit. Um, Dobbins and Weber—they couldn't figure out the right rotation there. This year just feels different. Everything feels like. It's smooth sailing. They've beaten every team by at least 24 points. There really hasn't been too much uh, controversy. The biggest controversy, which I'm sure we'll get into a little bit later, was Chase Young getting suspended. And it was suspended for the two easiest games of the year, potentially.
0: Yeah, we will definitely get into that later. And it was a nice break for Ohio State, as we will definitely talk about. I've seen on Twitter, and like we just talked about, Ohio State fans seem pretty confident going to this game. Penn State fans, not so much. A lot of them are really worried about how Penn State's secondary is going to go up. And also, Penn State's already lost the game. Uh, We were both, you know, if you're a Penn State fan, if you're a Ohio State fan, everyone kind of circled this game at the beginning of the year and was hoping that both teams would be unscathed uh, when this game hit. Penn State dropped the game against Minnesota. Obviously, Ohio State has steamrolled through all of their opponents. But this game has kept the intensity, has kept the excitement and the prestige. It's a big-time game. Tell us how Ohio State's gotten to this point, Jake.
1: Yeah, so far this year, Justin Fields has been a major key, obviously. So, you know, Dwayne Haskins goes in the first round last year. Tate Martell, Tate and Martell. bad, Tate and Martell. Transfers to Miami. And Justin Fields, you know, potentially one of the, you know, was the number two recruit behind Trevor Lawrence, comes in, gets immediate eligibility. And the kid's been everything that, all the hype that anyone could ever want. Um, You know, 41 touchdowns with rushing and throwing, 31 through the air, and only one interception, only one fumble. So in total, he's got 41 touchdowns and two turnovers. So incredibly efficient, especially when you consider he hasn't played too much in the second half this year. So he's got a lot of weapons on offense. A lot of guys that are going to play on Sundays, either next year or in coming years. And then the defense has just been nasty this year. So Ryan Day came in, pretty much got rid of everybody on the defensive staff with the exception of Larry Johnson and overhauled the defense. And you see that last year there's talent on this defense. There's no reason they should have been this bad last year and coaching scheme whatever you want to call it there's the same players and they're the number one defense in the uh, in the league right now i think they're number one in scoring defense right now compared to where they were something ridiculous like in the 60s or 70s last year
0: yeah and it's kind of amazing what what they've been able to do because it's almost you know taken for granted i mean you can win a lot of football games uh, but as Penn State fans now know, going undefeated, not slipping up against a team, doesn't matter how great you are, it's not an easy task. I mean, everyone is out to get you. You have a big target on your back. And Ohio State has seemingly just blown out everybody. Um, not been the same for Penn State. Uh, they've struggled against some teams. They have faced a gauntlet of opponents. They've had to play at Iowa. They've had to play home against Michigan and Michigan State and at Minnesota and now home against a, a relatively better indiana team so they've had you know a fair share of good opponents but they've definitely struggled uh to get to the to the same point that uh ohio state now is at it's going to be interesting to see if the ohio state team is prepared to play for four quarters since they haven't really had to do so uh in turn can you talk about how uh this ohio state team might have to react if they have to play for a whole entire game
2: yeah, I mean, I definitely think that they are built for it. I think they're, the quality on the team is good enough. Um, I mean, they, they haven't really had any adversity aside from trailing uh, 5 0 against Miami of Ohio for. for you
1: would like, have thought the world was coming that to game. an end when we were down 5 0 to Miami Ohio. By the, the or way, or the Twitter fan base was saying, you would have thought the world was ending.
2: Yeah, but. Really, the uh, the key for Penn State is if they can come out early and hit Ohio State in the mouth, how does Ohio State react? I, we haven't seen that in any other game. Um, clearly, they put up 76 points on uh, Miami unanswered, so that wasn't really a question mark. But can Ohio State play for four quarters if they need it? Um, pretty much the starters have been off the field by the end of the third quarter in almost every game so will they have the stamina to play four quarters in a game that could need it um Penn State has a lot more quality I think than any other team that we've faced so really that's that's the biggest question mark I have is can we play the entire game if it's needed I think the coaching's there I think that the uh, players are there, the talents there. I think we can do it. It's just a matter of can we
1: actually do it?
0: Yeah, Jake, have you anything uh, to add to that?
1: No, I think he kind of hit the nail on the head. So the biggest question he is right is can they play four quarters? Because they really haven't had to battle back. If if Penn State comes out and you know they come out hot and they go up, you know, four ten nothing, fourteen nothing. How does the team react? how does Justin Fields react? You know, are they able to go out and you know, put a drive together, get some points? Uh, let's say Justin Fields throws an interception in the first quarter. How is he going to react to that? So we haven't seen them battle adversity in the middle of a game yet. So if Penn State can't manage that, we'll see how that reacts. We just don't know the answer to it.
0: And the Vegas, uh, Vegas doesn't believe it. they're going to have to battle that adversity currently 18 point favorites. Um, We'll see if that holds up. Obviously, some people are saying this could be a blowout. Um, a lot more people think 18 is a little bit too high. But regardless, uh, it doesn't matter if it's this year or the last couple years. Penn State and Ohio State have played a lot closer games as of late. We probably will see a close game, at least for most of this game, on, uh, on Saturday. Do you see uh, the Penn State-Ohio State games, now that we've had multiple close games, in the last couple of years, do you see this Penn State-Ohio State rivalry developing more? Obviously, it's probably never going to get to the same point as Ohio State-Michigan. Um, but in the last couple of years, the Penn State-Ohio State game has meant a lot more, at least to the Big Ten and the Big Ten East race. Uh, if this keeps up, do you see this maybe uh, getting on the same level as Michigan or at least you know competing with it?
1: So, I... It will never get to the Michigan game. Like, it'll never be that level because the tradition, the history, you know, they've played over 100 times. The the 10-year war between Woody and Bo, you know, just the absolute history of this game, it'll never match up. The importance, though, that's a different story. Because over the last 15 or so years, well, really since 2006, this has been... Not as competitive because Michigan has been down. Ohio State's won fourteen of fifteen, and just everybody knows it. You know we have a there's a Twitter account that counts how many days since Michigan last won, uh, and if we win this year, it will cross three thousand days since Michigan last beat Ohio State. So we'll probably offer a little party on the three thousandth day. But it, it the just shows how important it is to Ohio State to continue to beat Michigan. But that doesn't mean that the Penn State game is not important. The last four or five years, it's been an incredibly competitive game. Penn State has become you know, a top 10, top 15 team continuously. And playing in State College at the Whiteout is an incredibly tough environment. So every year it is a game where you, when you look at the schedule, you see where it is and go, wow, okay, that's going to be a tough game. The schedule makers did Ohio State no favors this year and lined Ohio State or lined Penn State and Michigan in back-to-back weeks because we all much would have rather had that sometime in October rather than the week before Michigan.
0: <laughs> right, I bet you would have, right. <laughs> do um, There's one thing that we need to talk about before we really kind of grind into the, the game that takes place on Saturday, and that's Ryan Day and James Franklin. Before we kind of compare those two and, and maybe the expectations we have for both of them, can we talk about the Ryan Day transition from Urban Meyer and how graceful it's at least seen from the outside and if you guys have the same opinion on the inside? In turn, you want to take that one?
2: Sure. Yeah, I would definitely agree. It, was, it has been really nice and seamless between uh, Urban Meyer to Ryan Day. Um, I think a lot of what helped that was that Ryan Day had those three games under his belt To start last year, yeah, it was amongst a quote-unquote scandal from Urban Meyer, but he still won all three of those games. Um, They weren't the toughest games. I mean, probably the hardest one in there was the TCU game uh, down in Dallas that they were able to win. Neutral site game in Dallas. Um, Yeah, neutral site. Still a tough game to go and win, but that definitely has helped him In this process, um, he was able to really understand the offense. And I think the other thing is he didn't have to make changes. It wasn't like he was coming in completely fresh into the system. He knew the system of Ohio State. He knew the recruits. He also didn't lose too many. I think the only recruits that we really lost were on the defensive side of the ball uh, because everybody knew what Ryan Day brought on the offensive side, and he doesn't really have his, his hand in the defense quite as much. But what I think has made this transition so easy is that he was there. He was well-established. He had those games under his belt, and he wasn't really – he wasn't an outside hire. I think that helped it a lot too was that he was already there, not just a fresh new face. Jake,
0: you have anything you want like, to add to that or uh, did intern cover yeah, pretty the well for it? Yeah, only
1: thing with Ryan Day is he kept the entire offensive staff together. The only r- offensive assistant that was added was Mike Girich. And he replaced Ryan Day as the quarterback coach. Other than that, the entire offensive staff stayed together. So the cohesiveness there. There was not much of a change on offense. You know, same or any same scheme. Very little things. I would say it, it looks like an Urban Meyer offense still with Ryan Day's touches on it. You know, he's got his fingerprints all over it. The defense was a drastic change. But I think the defense knew they needed to change because they weren't very good last year. So, seeing some of the coaches depart made sense, with the exception of Larry Johnson, because Larry Johnson might be one of the greatest assistant coaches, at least one of the greatest defensive line assistant coaches in the last 30, 40, 50 years. But the linebackers, the, the defensive backs, they all needed overhaul because they couldn't stop anybody last year through the air.
0: Yeah, I mean, Penn State fans can agree with you that Larry Johnson seniors. Uh, one of the best defensive line coaches that to ever do it. There's no question about that. The expectations for Ryan Day in his first year were, were, were they championship or at least Big Ten championship or bust? Or were you guys willing to have a little bit of leniency in his first year? Or was it, hey, we have all the talent in the world, we expect to be at least Big Ten champions. And now that you're at this point in the season, is it like, hey, we are, th- we know, this is time to grind? Like, if you would have faltered earlier in the year, maybe in the first couple of games when he was still kind of getting, you know, his feet, you know, behind, you know, above him, or is it now like, hey, we're at this point of the season, he he's got control, we expect to be great. Jake, where are you guys at in the expectations for Ryan Day in his first? So year? I think
1: before the season, the biggest question to mark was Justin Fields. I think everybody knew Ryan Day was going to be a good coach. I think we all knew we were going to win at least ten games. The schedule lined up pretty favorably for us when you looked at the schedule at the beginning of the year. Before the year, Nebraska was a big game. Michigan State was a big game. Wisconsin, Northwestern, everybody thought, because we played them in the Big Ten Championship game last year, and then the Penn State-Michigan game. Now, it turns out most of those teams actually end up not being very good. Northwestern sucks. Nebraska might not, not make a bowl game. Michigan State might not make a bowl game. Wisconsin, really good early, faltered against Illinois. Ohio State ran them out the building. So it really comes down to the final two games. So the question before the season was, can Justin Fields come in? And play, you know, as good as a Dwayne Haskins or a JT Barrett, because if he wasn't as good as that, people were going to understand that, hey, maybe he just needs a year to be the starter. His junior year, he comes in and, you know, he makes that push for, you know, a national title, Big Ten Championship. I thought that 10-2 and two was the floor this year. I didn't think they would win less than 10 games because of how the schedule lined up. But at this point in the season, I think everybody's expecting 13-0 and going into the playoff. Is that what's going to happen? I don't know. They're going to have three tough games. The weird thing about how the schedule lines up, though, is if they win this weekend, they'll be 11-0. and Let's say they somehow manage to lose to Michigan. They're 11-1. and They still play in the Big Ten Championship game. And then probably against a ranked either Minnesota or Wisconsin team. And if they win that, they still have a really good shot at being in the playoff. So 12-1, 13-0, I think it puts them in the playoff. And then when you get to the playoff, all bets are off. I don't think there's the expectation of if you go to the playoff, you have to win it because you're playing you know, four of the best teams in the country are there. So I don't know if there's the expectation of winning the national championship. I think the expectation right now is to make the playoff.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a crap shoot when you just want to make the playoff and then you know find a way to win You know the first playoff game and then just find a way to win the championship after that. Uh, I totally understand that. And Ohio State did kind of have A relatively easy schedule, as you mentioned. Uh, The two crossover games against Nebraska and Northwestern, like you said at the beginning of the year, we thought they'd be a lot better. Nebraska's been an absolute dumpster fire, and Northwestern can't can't score against really anybody except for UMass, apparently. Uh, So Ohio State did luck out in the cross uh, divisional games. Penn State had, like I said, a little bit more of a gauntlet the beginning or the middle of the year. but again, fairly easy to start off with. They Just like Ohio State had a new quarterback in Sean Cliver. they had a break in. And they had four or five games to do that. Which, And Ohio State fans can test the same thing. Having those games to be in the air, letting your quarterback get momentum, pays dividends at this point in the season. It's nice to have those when you have those. And it's like we have two, the expectation at least was we're going to have two oiled machines when we got to this football game. Now, uh, The Penn State offense has had some problems along the way, at least with consistency. And then in the last two weeks, at least against Minnesota, they started turning the football over, which is something they haven't done. As you mentioned earlier, Justin Fields has been exceptional with uh, with being uh, protective of the football. And as we begin to focus in on the Ohio State offense against this Penn State defense, where does Ohio State's offense uh, bread their butter in turn?
2: I think it's a lot in the run game, honestly. I think the, the run game is kind of the basis for our team. And then by having a good run game every, every week, that really opens up the passing game, takes the pressure off of Justin Fields, who is our first-year quarterback. Um, I think that has been kind of huge in his development. Just having J.K. Dobbins as a constant in this offense then having Master Teague to back him up has allowed Justin Fields to kind of work his way into the offense a little bit more. Um, he does have a great arm too. He's got a great crop of receivers to throw to Chris Olave's kind of been a breakout receiver for us this year, uh, as well as Ben Victor playing very well. And KJ Hill, who's just always a constant in this offense. Um, but I think the biggest key for Penn state is really, if you can slow down that run game, how is Justin Fields going to react? Because he hasn't had to make throws. He's been doing a good job making the throws, but if they get behind, is he going to be able to just throw the ball? So that run game has really been kind of the key for us the whole season. Yeah, and the
0: Penn State number one rushing defense. Uh, when you compare average yards per attempt in the conference, and Ohio State coming with a number one rush offense, so it's going to be who? Uh, where are you going to? Uh, where are you going to give ground? And if you can't run the football, Jake. How does Justin Fields take over a game uh, with his arm?
1: Uh... I think he's, you know, one of the questions last year with Georgia is they said he couldn't read a defense or he couldn't, you know, find his, you know, correct reads, and he's done really well at that this year because he realizes when to throw it to somebody. He's still learning when he needs to either just tuck in and run it or when he needs to throw it away. I think one of his flaws is he continues to look downfield too long. And he's gotten sacked actually a fair amount. I think that's an area where there is potentially concern because as we talked about, the opponents haven't been great. And I believe last I saw, they were like 70th in sacks allowed, which isn't great.
0: Yeah. About two and a half. So they allow
1: about two and a half per game, but Justin Fields is completing almost 70% of his passes. He's averaging 9.4 yards per attempt, you know, 31 touchdowns, uh, he has been very efficient with the ball. So, you know, you don't want him to rush the pass. You don't want him to throw you know, throw it away. You'd almost rather take a sack at 99% of the time rather than you know, turn the ball over. So I think his weapons, they do a really good job of getting open. The wide receiver coach, Brian Hartline, does a really good job with the receivers. They have about five guys that consistently rotate in and out. Um, they have five receivers that have fifteen or more catches this year, so you'll see a good rotation of receivers, and they all have different skill sets. So that's where Justin Fields, you know, can make his money. He's got a really good arm; he can throw it downfield. So don't be surprised if they take a couple shots and some go fly, or some fly routes.
0: Yeah, and Penn State's defense has uh, been susceptible to the pass uh, if you watch the Minnesota game Minnesota's receivers Rashad Bateman and Tyler Johnson just had a field day on these 50-50 balls I don't even really want to call them 50-50 balls because they ended up being like 90-10 balls and <laughs> see Minnesota was coming down with every single one of them I'm not sure if Ohio State has the exact same uh, jump ball ability as those guys because they have like three receivers that are like six-four or taller I believe uh, but they still can stretch the field and that's the biggest concern for Penn State fans coming in this game is if Justin Fields gets his groove going and he starts cranking, you know, rockets down the field. Penn State's defense, uh, basically making any quarterback right now look look really good. Where and how is Justin Fields not turning the football over? Like, how has he been so prolific with limiting turnovers? Because that's the biggest thing. If Ohio State doesn't turn the football over. Uh, they are, look to be the more talented team on the field. If they don't turn the football over, they're most likely going to win this game. Penn State's going to need to find a couple breaks here and there. How has Justin Fields limited those turnovers?
1: So I think that starts with the offensive line. Now, I know we talked about they allowed two and a half sacks per game. But when you look at the offensive line, when you watch the game, he has time to go through his progressions. A lot of the times when he gets sacked, it's awful blitz somehow. So he's trying to evade it. He's still trying to look downfield. It isn't on a normal you know, four-down lineman rush. If you get a four-down lineman rush, that's where he's picking teams apart. Even a five, if he gets only five guys rushing him and the offensive line is able to pick him up or they keep a running back in, keep a tight end in to help the protection, that's where he is able to maintain the protection of the ball and not turn it over you know the receivers do a really good job they don't let balls hit off their hands you know if the balls hit their hand it's normally a catch and the other thing that they do is they they run a lot of safer routes i guess you could say it where you know they're not running posts across the middle at the 40 yard line where you know maybe there's a safety or some linebackers Uh, they're doing a lot of things to the edges or they're doing you know quick patterns Um, stuff where DBs are going to have a harder time trying to jump the route
0: in turn when we start looking at this Ohio State offense and how seemingly unstoppable they appear if you're a Penn State defense or if you're trying to give advice to a Penn State defense uh, what are you suggesting what are maybe the different ways that Penn State could have success against this defense besides just stopping the run Like, should they be blitzing more should they be playing more man coverage Uh, What different ways do you think Penn State's defense might be able to gain an
2: edge? I think that's going to be in getting in Justin Fields' face the most. I think he hasn't really had too many times where he's been uncomfortable this year. So I think if Penn State is able to make him uncomfortable, I think that'll play a lot into how this game plays out over the course of it. Um, I think also if Penn State is able to stop that run game and put the ball in Justin Fields' hands, that again will play into Penn State's game. I think both of those things are kind of more uncharted territory for Ohio State at this point. So I think, again, if you're able to make him uncomfortable, make Justin Fields uncomfortable, and force him to throw the ball a lot, I think that's what's going to really give you guys the best shot in this game.
0: Everyone talks about you know stopping the run first, and it seems nice and easy, but against this, def- or against this offense, it's not going to be easy, even for a defense that is good against stopping the run. J.K. Dobbins is averaging seven yards per carry. He's already over 1,200 yards, and he has 13 touchdowns. Every team going in playing Ohio State is trying to stop him. He seems to be a lot more comfortable this year. What avenues and ways has he been able to be more successful, Jake?
1: So the offensive line does a really good job at run blocking. And they open the holes. I think it's the confidence for him. So if you look back at his freshman year and compare it to his sophomore year, his sophomore year, he just didn't look the same. And there was no real injuries. A lot of it was the rotation that it felt like they were doing between him and Mike Weber. They were, both, they were trying to get them both carries. And when you have two guys who... If you look across the country, they both probably could have started on 75% of the Power Five teams because they're both really talented backs. I mean, Mike Weber got drafted. J.K. Dobbins is almost certainly going to be, you know, probably not a round one, but probably a day two pick between the second or third round next year. His confidence, because it's his show, you know, he's the Cadillac, you know, he's the guy that we're going to, you know, if it's third and one, we need a one yard carry. You know what's going on in J. K. Dobbins. It wasn't last year, all right, do we put Dobbins or do we put Weber do we put Dobbins or Weber? And his freshman year, you know, when we first came in, he had that confidence because Mike Weber was out for the first about month or so. And Mike Weber really didn't even get healthy until the latter half of the season. Last year they were both healthy and they were pretty much you know splitting drives. So one would come in for a drive, then the other one would come for a next drive. Neither of them really had, felt like they had a chance to get in a groove and you know, really start to Uh, just own it this year it's different if jk dobbins is feeling it you know they're just they keep feeding him they keep feeding him play after play because they see it's working his vision is incredible i think that's his biggest asset because he's able to see the hole and he hits it you know he's not you know running into offensive linemen he can find that hole and get himself the extra four or five yards he's not the strongest back he's not the fastest back but he is shifty and you know, can see the hole very well.
0: And he will be running against someone that Ohio State fans are very familiar, and that's Micah Parsons, the defensive lineman, converted to linebacker once he got to Penn State. Uh, most thought he was going to come into Ohio State until a recruiting infraction happened, and Ohio State decided not to continue to recruit him. Micah has 75 total tackles on the year. He led the team in tackles for Penn State as a freshman last year and wasn't even technically a starter. You think if Penn State has a chance defensively, it starts with Micah Parsons and stopping guys like J.K. Dobbins and also Justin Fields, who he's uh, you know quite friendly with. What do you like about Micah Parsons, and I guess what are you scared of about Micah Parsons' ability?
1: He's really talented. I mean, like you said, he's a converted defensive end into linebacker. He's freaky athletic. Um, you know, it seems like he can read the offense very well. So if you're leading the team in tackles and you know he's almost he'll be on pace he'll probably get above 100 tackles this year. He's going to be a big factor because there's a good chance that he could potentially be, you know, the spy, he could be the crashing linebacker uh, on the read where he's going to have a major factor even if he's not the one directly involved on the play. If you understand what I'm saying. He might not be the one He's not, he might not be the one that makes a tackle, but he's going to be the one that is going to cause Justin, Reed, Justin Fields to make the read. You know, he's going to see Micah Parsons coming downhill. Is he going to hand it off to Diamonds? Is he going to hold it? Is he going to pass it? That He might not register a stat there, but he's going to be a factor there. So he's crazy fast. So he's athletic. He's incredibly strong. That he's going to be a major factor. If Penn State's going to be able to stop Ohio State, it's going to start and end with him.
0: Yeah, I think most people would, would agree to that. And it won't be an easy task for the Penn State defense. Uh, statistically, they look like they can you know, stand up to Ohio State's offense. Uh, but after the last two weeks, Penn State fans are definitely a little bit more skeptical. Obviously, the most talent overall they're going to face uh, when they go against the Buckeyes on Saturday. It should be. A, I mean, this is what everyone wants to talk about is Ohio State's offense versus Penn State's defense. Because of what Penn state's defense hasn't been as of late and what Ohio state's offense has looked like throughout the entire season. But let's flip the script now and talk about Penn state's offense versus Ohio state's defense. Uh, Sean Clifford has not put up Justin Fields numbers. Uh, He has 59% completion on the year, 22 passing touchdowns uh, with six interceptions. He's also added five rushing touchdowns and isn't Justin Fields fast or isn't as as big of a runner as uh, Justin Fields. But he has a little bit of quickness to him. Uh, Technically, they say his 40-time is faster than Trace McSorley's. Uh, He, at least in the last couple weeks, has made more plays with his legs. By running backs, Noah Kane didn't play the last two weeks. Franklin says that he was 90% for the Minnesota game but didn't play him, and then he didn't play him last week. So I don't know what Coach Franklin thinks 90% is. Uh, But hopefully, Penn State has Noah Kane back, who's more of their bruising running back. K.J. Hamler also left the game in the Indiana game, uh, which looked like to be a concussion. They took his helmet away. Franklin has also said that Hamler's supposed to be back, and K.J. Hamler seems to be the one guy that maybe could stretch Ohio State's defense and maybe be a uh, sort of leveler of playing field, as as some would say, because of his speed and his ability. When you look at this Penn State offense... Intern, turn, what are you most concerned about for the uh, high state defense?
2: I mean, it's definitely got to be K.J. Hamler again. Um, last year, he torched us on that 92-yard crossing route uh, that he ran from Trace McSorley. But he's he's definitely the biggest factor. There's also Pat Fryermuth, who's just a tall, tree-like tight end who can catch everything. Um, those two are kind of the, the biggest threats that I've seen. Um, not to mention I think Sean Clifford has a lot better arm than Trace McSorley did. Um, Last year in the game at Penn State, McSorley was torching us on the ground, and then for some reason the play calling kind of stopped going his way, and they were trying to run the ball. Um, I think Penn State just needs to go with their playmakers. They need to get the ball into Hamler's hands. They need to get it into Pat Fryermuth's hands. And Jahan Dotson isn't too bad either. Um, Any of those guys that are getting the ball, I think that's going to be kind of where Penn State can really take this game from Ohio State Um, and just really staying away from Chase Young in general. Jake, do you want to add anything to that? What what do you see as the
0: biggest threat to Ohio State defense?
1: Pat Fryermuth is a matchup nightmare. So I think he is going to be a big factor because he's a big body tight end. He's pretty athletic. There's not really an ideal matchup on this defense that we have. There's a couple linebackers that are pretty athletic. You know The corners aren't nearly as big. We really only play one safety. We play a three-cornerback, one safety you know, secondary. So it's just a matchup nightmare. And then K.J. Hamler, should he play? You know, should he play he also is a matchup nightmare because he's just so fast you know i think it was last year they hit him on you know a six yard slant and he took it so being able to have a guy as fast as him um, you know somebody where they can get him down um should he catch the ball so i think those two guys they're going to look to try to find favorable matchups on all day and if they see one, look for them to try to exploit. Yeah, and,
0: and you hit it right on the head because if you try to look at this Ohio's defense, defense as a whole and just look at their overall talent compared to Penn State's overall talent, obviously it looks like Ohio State's defense has the edge. But it looks like it's going to be the individual matchups that Penn State's going to try to win to give themselves an edge, whether that's someone guarding KJ Hamler or whether that's someone guarding Friarmouth, as you mentioned. It's going to be interesting to see how they go about that throughout the game uh, because that, that might be the only way Penn State can move the ball consistently. You mentioned that Chase Young is back for this game. I mean, we saw the kind of game he had against Wisconsin. Uh, for the first time in a long time, Penn State's actually bringing a competitive offensive line uh, to the table, which is something they haven't been able to do for four or five years now but Chase Young is still going to be Chase Young. How does he impact games, and how is he so
2: indescribable uh, for some people to talk about? I mean, he's really just so quick getting off the line. Um, I think that's what kind of makes him such a threat. He's quick. He's got great hands. He's able to just, no matter who you put on him, even if one guy or two guys, He's getting through that line. Maybe he's not making the sack every time, but he is just a force. He's putting pressure on the quarterback. He's stopping the run. And then there's the times where they can line him up at linebacker and tell him, oh, you just go find a hole and get through like they did against Wisconsin. They had no idea how to react to that. If they do that against Penn State, nobody knows how to block that. So it's just his his shiftiness, his quickness, and I mean, he's the predator, so there's really not much you can do to stop him.
0: It's a scary, it's a scary thought because honestly, the only thing I can really think of is running the ball away from him, uh, moving the pocket away from him, literally just keeping him away from the ball, um, as far away from the ball as possible. Um, but he is a game changer, and I think Penn State, to a certain degree, just has to accept uh, accept their fate. Like, there's going to be uh, one to two plays at the very least if not three to four that it doesn't matter what Penn State called or what Penn State did Chase Young is just gonna ruin the play regardless hopefully those plays happen in not crucial situations and not crucial downs but most likely they are and that's gonna be the uh, that's gonna be the the the, uh, adversity that Penn State's offense is gonna have to overcome because it's probably gonna put them in some really poor situations you look at this Ohio State secondary And people, at least last year, were were a little bit concerned about it. How they have been able to turn it around in a secondary this year and become, you know, one of the best in the country?
1: Yeah, so I think the coaching was there. Well, the coaching wasn't there last year. The talent is there because Jeffrey Okuda was a top-ten player coming out of high school. Sean Wade was also a five-star coming out of high school. Damon Arnett is now in his third year starting. Jordan Fuller also in his third year starting. So they have experience. They have talent that... There was no question about, you know, scheme and coaching were huge. And one thing that fired up Ohio State fans for the last couple of years, we thought Greg Shiano in the first couple of years was a good defensive coordinator, but they didn't want the corners to turn their head and look for the ball. They wanted them to essentially continue to run forward with their hands up and watch the wide receivers eyes. And that would fire us up to no end because a lot of times if they turned their head around, they were going to get an interception and t- they would get a pass interference call. So they don't have the interception numbers this year, but I think that they're playing more in between that. Chris Ash, who obviously got fired, uh, was all about getting turnovers. He would be willing to give a big play, but he understood that they were going to get turnovers. Greg Schiano understood that we weren't going to turn the ball over a lot, but they also weren't going to move the ball very well. And the first couple years, you notice that when they had... Marshawn Lattimore and Garyon Conley and Malik Hooker there. Malik Hooker was just a center fielder, one of the best safeties that ever played at Ohio State. But Lattimore and Conley didn't have a ton of interceptions that year because they followed what Greg Shiana was saying, and they had three of them go in the first round. This year, they're kind of in between that. And again, they might have three defensive backs go in the first round this year. Depending on the projection who you look at, Jeffrey Okuda is a consensus top 10 pick. Sean Wade is working his way back into the first round. You know, he's only a redshirt sophomore, but he had a nasty pick on Saturday where he tipped it to himself. And Damon Arnett, like I said, third-year starter, Uh, he's definitely come around this year. So when we talked about the matchups, there's three really good corners, but they all have different skill sets that make them great.
0: Yeah, and Arnett, I mean... I never thought Arnett was actually very good. I thought he was just a pass interference machine for a while. And uh, to be honest, I haven't watched a lot of him solely this year, but he does seem to be playing a lot better. But uh, the last couple of years, I thought Arnett struggled mightily, but he seems to be turning it around. I'm going to ask the same question I kind of asked on the offensive side, but for the defense. If you're a Penn State offense,
2: how would you attack this Ohio State defense intern? Well, first of all, you got to keep the ball away from the side of the field that Chase Young is on every single play. I mean, he can play wherever he wants, but you got to keep it away from him. Um, I think the easiest way to do that is probably going to be like little quick passes that get the ball out of Sean Clifford's hands very quickly, um, or running the ball to the opposite side of the field that uh, Chase Young is on. Um, I think running the ball up the middle has been. problem for opposing offenses all year so if you can run around the edges obviously the opposite edge that chase is on that will be huge um but then as long as you can open up the passing game for sean clifford and don't have to force the ball into his hands i think that's going to play into the favor of penn state um if they can keep that offense balanced that'll be huge um Sean Clifford has again Pat fire move to throw to. They need to exploit the matchup that he's he's in throughout the game and I think that will definitely be a weak spot for Ohio State and then KJ Hamler speed they just need to make sure that they're using that throughout the entire game.
0: Jake, is there one player uh, that maybe is kind of flown under the radar that Penn State fans should be aware of heading in a Saturday on defense?
1: Yeah, I think one guy that a lot of people don't even know his name is Davon Hamilton. So he's a nose tackle, defensive tackle, um, plays the, well, he kind of rotates between the three and the one, but he really plays the one technique a lot, more of the nose tackle, and he's been having a really, really good season. So he has, I think he's second or third on the team in sacks this year. Uh, He's just been the anchor of that defensive line, so... He's been able to stop the run a lot. He gets in the backfield. You know, a lot of his stuff, like I talked about earlier with Micah Parsons, might not show up on the chat. Like, Davon Hamilton only has 12 tackles, but he's got four sacks. So, you know, when he does get a tackle, it's efficient. So in his career, you know, he has never had more than 17 tackles. Um, But he gets in the backfield, he gets tackles for losses, he gets sacks. And he's just an emotional leader on that defensive line and you noticed it when Chase Young was out. Now, granted, the competition wasn't great, but Davon Hamilton did have two sacks against Maryland. So as soon as somebody left, he stepped up. So I look for him to potentially have a factor for that run game this year because if Penn State's going to get it moving, they're going to have to use Journey Brown or Noah Kane or one of those guys to help get some momentum. And you know, you can run away from Chase Young. You can run to the opposite side. But it's really hard if you're going to run up the middle and the nose tackle is breaking it through the line.
0: It's going to be a really interesting matchup to see Penn State's offensive line versus Ohio State's defensive line. And they, you know, if, I, if I'm a Penn State offense, I'm trying to keep the ball on the ground, like both of you mentioned, just just because I don't want Justin Fields in the offense to have the ball out too. Uh, one of the biggest issues we've seen with the Penn State defense is being on the field a lot. It happened a lot last year, and it's starting to happen these last two weeks. I think last week against Indiana, Penn State only ran nine plays in the third quarter uh, up to a certain point. Uh, things like that won't work against Ohio State. Uh, Penn State's offense has also been fairly inconsistent throughout games. Sometimes they'll put up 21 points in one quarter, and sometimes they'll put up none. Uh, those kind of lapses aren't going to work against an Ohio State uh, defense and they're especially not going to help out Penn State's defense against Ohio State's offense. That's kind of the breakdown of the offense and defense, Um, but as Ohio State fans know, there is a third phase of the game, and sometimes that phase can cost you the game, especially in 2016 with the blocked punt and obviously the blocked field goal taken back for a touchdown. What's Ohio State's special teams looking like, Jake?
1: So we haven't really had to use our special teams a ton. We did muff a punt against Rutgers, and it was the true freshman, Garrett Wilson. They've been working on a punt returner. They haven't really fully decided on one, and it's not really good when you're entering game 11 of the season. So the kicking game has been fine. Uh, They did have a kick blocked. I believe it was against Cincinnati. But since then, they really haven't had too many issues. I would say it's just very mediocre so there's a chance to potentially exploit blake Hallbile, the kicker hit a 55 yarder against northwestern down the half you could tell that they really just wanted to go out there and see how far he could kick it before the half ended other than that cam john or not cam johnson he's the old one uh who's our kicker in turn? i keep i keep forgetting our punter's name
2: um i'm not
1: sure i i blanked i'm blanking on this right now Drew Chrisman, yep. Drew Chrisman, he did not very play very well on Saturday, but he usually is really good. Last year, he essentially won us the game against Michigan State because he dropped four kicks inside the five yard line after he shanked one into the stands. So I would say they're inconsistent. When they're on, they're really good. When they're off, it's ugly. But we really haven't allowed any, haven't really allowed any returns other than the one kick. There hasn't been too much variation.
0: And Penn State's special teams, um, I'd say is definitely above average, uh, but again, hasn't done anything special. They've had KJ Hamler has returned uh, one kick return and one punt return. Both were called back uh, for penalties, which seems that's been an issue for the return game has been penalties and and bringing back really good returns by KJ Hamler. Uh, Penn State's kicking game is strong, but nothing to really get crazy about. And Blake Gilkin, the, the fourth-year punter, has done an f- extremely well job this year. He's really recovered from a down year his junior year, and he should play really well. And Penn State seems to do better when they control field position. Uh, field position and turnovers has been crucial for Penn State's success. They, they dominated it in their wins, and when they didn't dominate it, they lost to Minnesota, uh, and which, which really could have been a worse score than it really was. We've kind of broken down the game on both facets and on special teams. We talk about Ryan Day. We've talked about, you know, what this game means. Uh, I think it's time, if you guys are willing or wanting to, uh, maybe give your guys key factors of the game. And I'll give some key factors for Penn State, and then maybe we'll get into a prediction or, or at least how you're feeling six days out. Intern, do you want to give me some key factors for Ohio State?
2: Yeah, I think um – The biggest key is keeping Justin Fields comfortable and confident in his first really big game at Ohio State. Um, He's had a lot of cupcakes to play so far this year. He hasn't even had to play a full game. This is probably going to be the first time he's going to play a full four quarters of football at Ohio State. So I think the key is just keeping him comfortable opening up that passing game by establishing a really good run that we've had all year. Um, If we can do that, then I think this game can get blown wide open in Ohio State's favor, but it's all going to come down to Justin
1: Fields and that offense.
0: Jake, what about you? Big factors for Ohio State to win this game?
1: Chase Young, the defensive line, how many sacks or how many tackles for losses do they get? You know, If you start seeing the tackle for loss number start creeping up to double digits, you know, eight, nine, you know that Penn State's struggling to move the ball because there's a very slim chance that they're only taking tackles for losses and 10-yard gains. So if you start seeing that number creep up to double digits, if you start seeing the sacks start to creep around four or five, that's going to be tough because that's going to put Penn State in second long, third and long, and that's where you get to the position where you see Chase Young stand up as a line, middle linebacker Because if it's 3rd and 11, we know that you're not going to run the ball. Chase Young's going to stand up and they're going to tell him, pick your gap, go find and try to get through, and they're going to send five guys. So if they can do that, that means they're probably also preventing Penn State from scoring too many points. So I think the number of tackles for losses and sacks is going to be huge for Ohio State. Because I do think Penn State's going to get stops. Ohio State, I'm not positive, is going to go out there. I'm not sure if they're going to score 50 points in this game you know, they're averaging 51 points a game. I'm not sure they're going to hit their average because that's a lot of points against a really good defense. Wisconsin also has a really good defense and they only scored 38 against them. Now they did win 38 to seven. So they did blow them out, but I wouldn't bet on them to, you know, hit that.
0: Yeah. I think I'd be pretty impressed if Ohio state scored 50 on Penn state. Uh, I, I find it hard to believe either team gets into the 40s, but I wouldn't be surprised if both teams are in the 30s. Um, if I had to take a wild guess here, I'd say that the more scoring that happens, the more this game goes kind of up in the air. Um, but if, if the scoring is low, at least for majority of the game, I think it has to favor Ohio State, especially with how they play defensively. Uh, if it turns into a shootout, and things kind of get crazy, I think that kind of goes Penn State's way because Ohio State hasn't had a play in a game like that, and, Ohio, and Penn State has played in at least uh, in, in those kind of shootout, uh, up-in-the-air kind of football games, even on the road especially. Uh, if I had to give factors for Penn State, the biggest one's got to win the turnover battle. Uh, when they win the turnover battle, they, they, they set themselves up so much better. Defense is going to cause, I think, at least one turnover. It's going to be really the offense. They might be able to give one away and still have a chance. But if Penn State turns the ball over twice or three times, I I don't see any possible way Penn State can win this one. They had three turnovers um, at Minnesota, and it could have been four. If Penn State wants to win this one, they have to keep the turnover margin in their favor, plus one at the very least. But honestly, I think it's going to take at least plus two. Uh, if not plus two, then at least a special teams play. Uh, something like that's going to have to go their way uh, on top of winning the turnover margin. And then it's it, then it's as simple as staying on schedule, right? So if Penn State's offense gets behind the sticks, and like you said, Chase Young can, can kind of just run rampant, I, I, that doesn't seem like a very fun day for Sean Clifford and company. Uh, so those are my factors. Gentlemen, do you want to give a prediction or at least kind of hints on where you're going? Uh, intern, you want to go first?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, I mean, obviously, I think Ohio State is going to win this game. I think they're going to have it pretty well in hand. I like it to be a two-score game for sure. Um, I think because this is the toughest team that Ohio State has faced all year, I kind of like it to be closer to, like, a 10-point game Um, rather than the 18 that the spread's at. I think that it, it might be around, like, a maybe a 30 to 20-ish kind of game. Um, If I had to say like an exact score, probably closer to like 32 to uh, 20 maybe. Um, But I think it's going to be a little bit closer than the
1: experts would say. Hold up. Hold up. So if you're going to say 10 points, you're not allowed to pick Ohio State to cover when we do our point spreads.
2: No, I can can still pick them. I was just trying to be...
1: little bit more realistic right now okay because of that each week we pick 10 games and we pick the spreads and i got burned the first couple times because i picked ohio state not to cover ohio state is eight and two against the spreads this year the only two games they didn't cover are florida atlantic and Rutgers. so numbers are telling me to go with ohio state to cover the spread Am I positive on this? No, I am not using anything other than the fact that they're 8-2 against the spread. So I'm going to say that they're going to cover the spread uh, because the only two they didn't are their essentially, potentially two, or their three, two of the three worst opponents they played without Northwestern in there. So I'm going to go 38-17 because that gets the cover, and I think Penn State is going to score some points. I wouldn't be surprised if this game is... You know, 24-17, mid-third quarter, and Ohio State scores two touchdowns to put it away.
0: Yeah, that seems like a pretty realistic uh, realistic thing that could easily happen, especially off of a turnover and then just another touchdown to put it away. That that seems really realistic. Um, the, the spread's at 18 right now. <clears throat> I, I don't see Penn State losing uh, by more than 18. I mean, obviously I can see a way that happens, uh, but... The last two years, it's been really close. Uh, This will be the, besides maybe Michigan, this is the most talent Ohio State's going to probably face unless they get to the playoff. And they haven't really faced anywhere near as much talent so far. I think that equates for at least a touchdown. Uh, Usually, typically, Penn State's been pretty good in turnover margin. Uh, They'll have to be in order to have a chance, as I just mentioned. Right now, I'm aiming for the game to approximately be a 14-10 uh, point win for Ohio State. Uh, and and I am I like, I don't know what it is, but I like kind of a high-scoring game. Uh, and I'm going to go with, uh, with a 38-28 win for Ohio State right now as we are sitting here on November 17th. It could go anyway. Uh, I don't see Penn State obviously blowing out Ohio State, uh, but... I do see the possibility for Ohio State to, to blow out Penn State. And it's really going to depend on K.J. Hamler's health and the turnover margin. Uh, but but I understand your guys' uh, your predictions well. I understand how Penn State could uh, could lose 38-17 with a late touchdown by the Buckeyes. And I can see how they keep it around 18 or even around 14. Uh, but obviously I don't see Penn State blowing out Ohio State um, in any capacity. That is going to do it. I th- oh, if you have...
1: I think there's a chance. Yeah, no. So I think there's a chance that this game could come down to, you know, whoever has the ball last, whether it's high scoring or low scoring. I couldn't, I can see that happening. There's definitely a real possibility that it's, you know, 20 to 17, five minutes left in the fourth quarter. So my prediction is mainly off of the fact that I'm going to pick Ohio to cover when we do our episode this week, but it wouldn't shock me in any fashion if it's low scoring you know winner only has 24 27 points. That the defenses really show up. Both the teams have really good defenses, and while Ohio State, you know, has been dominant, this could essentially be the best offense and defense that they face all year long. Because the best offense, I guess you could say, up to this point was Wisconsin, and Wisconsin is feels like a niche offense where. If you can stop Jonathan Taylor, you win the game. And that's exactly what they did. They held Jonathan Taylor to less than 60 yards. And other than that, if you look at the rest of the offenses they played, nobody has the playmakers like Friar Muth and Journey Brown and K.J. Hamler and Noah Kane or Jahan Dotson. So there's a real chance that I could see it going either way, shootout or low scoring, because the talent on both sides of the ball for both teams. The other thing is, I'm hoping to see the return of pick six university because Ohio state has so many pick sixes in their history against Penn state.
0: Yeah. You don't need to remind
1: me about some of those. There's a video on YouTube called pick six university where it shows all the pick sixes. You know, I can send it to you if you want. No,
0: I'm good. Thank you. I really appreciate it. And I really appreciate you guys coming on the podcast uh, on hardcore college football. You can follow us on Twitter, hardcore CFB while you're there. Uh, Give these guys a uh, follow on Twitter as well, at WalkOnRedShirts. Give their podcast a listen as well. Uh, They know their stuff. They know what they're talking about. It's just really unfortunate that they happen to be Ohio State fans. Uh, Jake, intern, it's been awesome having you guys on. Uh, We should definitely come on and and do this again for other teams, not just Ohio State and Penn State. Uh, But your insight and your commentary has been awesome. Appreciate you guys being on today. Any last plugs or thoughts for you?
1: Go Bucks.
2: Thanks for having us and go Bucks. All right, guys. Thanks, man. Appreciate it a lot.